All right, so I need to start with a weird thing. So this is kind of weird. Sometimes when I go to preach, I just feel so spiritually heavy. Like, I have this weird, like, I shouldn't be up here. I'm a terrible sinner. I shouldn't be preaching. It's horrible, right? 99% of the time when I get that, it's, I think it's because Satan knows what I'm going to say. And he knows that someone really needs to hear what I'm going to say, right? So last night and all this morning, I just felt terrible spiritually. It's real weird. So I don't know. So listen up, I guess, church. Hey, it's real weird. It's really hard to preach when it's like that because you just have this like, oh, I shouldn't be here. I should shut up. But anyway, so let me pray for me and for you guys, and then we'll get going. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, morena atua. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, triune God who loves us way more than we'll ever understand. We thank you for your incredible care for us. Yeah, thanks that this week gone, there's been probably innumerable times that you protected us from attacks of the evil one or attacks of other people or foolish attacks by ourselves, um, silly things we were going to do, and you protected us because you care about us so much, eh? Yeah. Yeah, I just pray you'll give us good ears to hear what you want to say to us this morning, God. Um, yeah, you see our hearts, eh? We're not here. So someone looks across the aisle and thinks, ooh, they're here, they're so spiritual, what a great person. We're here because we just want to connect with you. We really do, eh? We, we, we're, we're desperate to become more like Jesus, to... Just be more like him, eh? more loving, more caring, more able to fight sin. <laughs> um, yeah, so just speak to us loudly. Eh? We're, we're here with good ears. We want to hear from you, so speak loudly to us. Eh? Yeah, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All righty. Hey, so we're in um, Nehemiah, or Nehemiah, however you want to say it. I don't know. Al says it, Nehemiah, and he's like one of the elders, so there's bound to be the correct way to say it. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, And so we're in chapter two, the second half of chapter two. So just a fast recap. So um, a couple of weeks ago, looked at chapter one, and so chapter one's kind of a crazy chapter where um, I'm just going to say Nehemiah, because now it's freaking me out how to say it properly. So anyway, that guy, um, he gets news from Jerusalem, from his brother and some friends come, and they're like, oh my gosh, the walls are destroyed, you know, ah! And he really freaks out, right? And you see, if you remember last week I talked about, he goes into kind of almost mourning for four months. So for quite a while, he's just praying, and he's also planning, right? If you remember that, he's really planning what's he going to do when he gets an opportunity to talk to the king. But he's really freaking out, and he prays and prays and prays. And so then after four months, we hit chapter two, and the first half of chapter two is when he goes to the king, and he goes to the king with his request, right? And he goes to the king with this, if you remember, it's like a ridiculous request, because he's just a servant, right? He's nobody, but he goes to the king, and he's like, hey, king, you know, my city's destroyed. Can I go back and ask for all these resources? And culturally, the king would just be like, are you mental? But like he says in verse 8, because the gracious hand of God was on me, um, the king's like, <laughs> gives him all the stuff and letters for protection and sends a whole army. It's like, what is happening? And it's this, this huge blessing of God that, that goes with him, right? So, so that's kind of where we end up. And then we jump into... The second half of chapter two, which the amazing Roz read awesomely. Um, and this is where you see him start thinking about the kind of rebuilding of the city. So one of the things I want to, I want to start a little bit differently this morning. And one of the things you see right through the whole book of Nehemiah is exactly what Al said, because he is amazing. 
Nehemiah and Al, both are amazing. Um, one of the things you see through the whole book of Nehemiah is Nehemiah, he works his butt off, right? He really does. You're, you're going to see as we go through it, he works really, really hard. But, and if you're listening to this on the podcast, I'm doing the hands thing, so I'm holding up one hand. He works really hard. Now the other hand. But the whole time he depends on God's power, right? So you see it when he goes before the king in the beginning of chapter 2. He plans really, really carefully, right? It's not like the king says, oh, yeah, what do you want? He's like, I don't know, want to rebuild some walls? He's got real good plans. But at the same time, he's really trusting that God's going to go before him, right? Does it make sense? Are you with me? So it's this double thing, right? So one of my favorite verses in the New Testament is this verse from Colossians. I absolutely love this. I need to, what's going on here? I need to get this tattooed on me, I was thinking. I know some people are like, what? But I kind of like having the Bible written all over me. So um, this is it here, Colossians 1.29. It's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. So this is Paul, um, the apostle. And what's been going on in Paul's life in, in um, the beginning of chapter 1 or, or right before these verses, he's talking about how he just feels so privileged to be able to tell people about Jesus. That's basically it. He's talking about how the Jews had it and now the Gentiles have and all this kind of stuff. But the, the core of what he's saying, he just feels so privileged to be able to tell people about Jesus because it changes their life. And just a couple of verses before this, he talks about how this just changes everything when someone realizes that God loves them and Jesus died for them and yada, yada. And then you hit this verse. It's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. And the thing I love about this verse is it's exactly what we see Nehemiah doing, right? Nehemiah works his, am I allowed to say butt in church? Maybe not, I don't know. All complaints to Al, he's the, <laughs> he's the elder, I don't know. Anyway, he works very hard. Now nah, he works his butt off. But the whole time he's depending on God, and it's this thing here. And you see it in Paul's life, right? If you remember, Paul talks in one place, he's like, He's getting attacked by these idiot Jewish people, and he's like, man, and they're all skiding about how spiritual they are. And he's like, if you think you're legit, let me tell you, I've been stoned three times, and not the way some of you shady people get stoned, you know what I'm saying? Nah, he goes, I get stoned three times. I thought that was pretty funny, but some of you gave me this, like, shock look. Um, stoned, I've been shipwrecked this many times, I've, you know, spent a day and a night in the ocean, and he says all this crazy stuff. So for Jesus, he works super, super hard, but... If you read his letters, you know while he's working real hard, at the same time he's depending on Jesus, depending on Jesus, depending on Jesus. Makes sense, eh? Depending on Jesus. So, and this is something you see Nehemiah do, and, and you see it the whole way through. He plans, and he works super hard, but constantly the whole way through the book, there's these cool little verses where he keeps making sure we know as readers, like verse 8, but the gracious hand of God was on me. And then if, if you were um, listening when Ros read it, there's twice, we're going to look at it, towards the end of this little message, there's twice where he makes sure everyone knows, look, I'm working real hard and I'm ready to build this wall, but it's only because God's got us. It's only because God's got us. So he does this cool kind of balance thing, right? I, I love it. Okay, so we're going to start with some couple of questions to discuss. So here's some questions. So how do I know if I'm truly depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me, which is from that verse, right? And not doing it, whatever it might be, um, your life in my own strength. So how do I know if I'm really getting this balance right? How do I, f I know if it's not too much Craig, my name's Craig, too much Craig, not enough Jesus, or way too much Jesus and I'm just being super lazy and no Craig? How do I know if I'm getting this balance right? Okay. And then the second question, uh, what are two or three steps I can take to find a better balance in my life of me and God? How can I find a better balance? Because normally we're out of kilter one way or the other. Like heaps of us in here just working way too hard and God's like, Really? feel free to let me help anytime. And we're like, no, I'm okay. I can do it in my own strength. And he's like, all right, you're an idiot, but carry on if you want. Um, and then some of us are the other way. We we're just a bit lazy in our Jesusness. And we're, we're kind of like, you do it, God. I'm just going to not have a quiet time. I'm not going to read my Bible, but you just change me. And he's like, really? It's a team thing here, you goose. So 
God wouldn't call us an idiot or a goose, just to clarify, right? All right. Hey, so I've got a couple of little Nehemiah points, so back to Nehemiah. So here's the first one. Nehemiah in action, know your plan, right? Nehemiah in action, know your plan. So one of the things you see in Nehemiah is he's an amazing planner, right? I've, I talked about that last week. He really does plan phenomenally. So I'm going to read a couple of verses. So I'm going to read um, 11 and 12, because Ros has already read it awesomely. 11 and 12, and then verse 16. So if you've got your Bible, hey, boost over there. Good to actually read the Bible. Um, where are we going? 11 and 12, and then verse 16. So, uh, so I arrived in Jerusalem. Uh, three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I'd not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us, except the donkey I was riding. And then verse 16, the city officials did not know I had been out there or what I was doing, for I had not said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. Um, so when I prepare write a sermon, one of the things I do is I read through the passage or the verses a whole bunch of times, and then I just ask, as I'm doing it, I ask as many questions as I can, right? So I'm asking why, when, what, just constantly asking this. And so when I was reading that, one of the questions I had straight away is, why does he take three days, right? Now, most, a lot of you, and a lot of you guys, but I know a lot of you ladies are the same, if that had been you, you would have arrived, and within minutes, said a quick kelda to a few people, maybe had a bit of food, and then you'd be like, right, let's go, where's a rock, let's start building the wall, am I correct? Now, I know I'm correct, so stop looking at me like you're shady, right? But that's not what Nehemiah does. He arrives, and he arrives with a big procession. Remember, there's been a whole army sent with him. So for him to arrive in Jerusalem with this whole army, it would have been like, whoa, he's not just here to visit and say, Kelda to a few family friends. He's here for some special reason. But then for three days, we don't know, in quotes, we don't know what he's doing. And then he does the sneaky. Remember, he went out at night sneaking around and and stuff. So I was like, well, what the heck is he doing? So I, I read a bunch of commentaries and stuff, and all of them say, he must be praying again. <laughs> and it's real funny. It's like, really, bro? You've been, he prayed and fasted for four months, and now he's traveled. It would have taken two to three months to travel. Now he finally gets there. It's like, come on, bro, get into it. And he's like, nah. The number one thing to do now is to just spend time in prayer for three days. And I was like, man, he is just legit, right, to pray and plan and stuff. I, I just love that, right? Um, a, a kind of a couple of, I'm going to show you a picture of the wall in a minute because I think a lot of us are like, what is the wall? Is it like, you know, I have no idea what it looks like. And it's pretty, like, massive what he does. Um, and then you, when you see him do the, the sneaky little trip around um, at night, one of the reasons he does that is because, and I didn't realize this, but again, doing a bunch of research this week, the, the, the probability that when he presents to the whole town, hey, we're going to rebuild the wall, the probability that everyone would go, woohoo, yeah, let's do it, is zero. And I thought everyone would be keen, but they're like, this is a massive job, right? Now, in my head, I had a wall maybe three or four feet thick or a metre and a half thick. I don't know, I'm olden days. And, you know, high and stuff. But this is a picture of the wall. I was like, oh, my gosh. So this is more like the wall. You can kind of, I'll show you another one in a second. So see that little lady standing on the top, right? So here's the, you, you can see that. You with me? Shot team. Um, so this is the same one. So she's actually standing over on the side here. So where there's those trees, that's where it just disappears right down. So I'll go back. See, see how massively high it is and how fat it is? You with me, eh? And then you look at that and you're like, so this is actually an excavation. That's actually the wall that Nehemiah built because they can tell by bits of um, pottery and bits of stuff that they find in it. The archaeologists, when they're digging, they can date it exactly 
So this is literally part. And remember, um, you often read they've got houses built into the walls and stuff. So see how fat it is and how high it is? So the idea that Nehemiah turns up, and he's like, yeah, we're going to rebuild the wall. And everyone's like, woohoo. It's like, bro, do you realize what you're doing? This wall is huge. You're on drugs. And so he spends this time praying, right, to check in with God. Am I doing the right thing? And then he does this sneaky, like, trip round so that he knows exactly what he's getting the people into. You're with me, eh? It's just praying and planning, praying and planning. So I don't know if you care, but I thought this was kind of interesting too. So just so you know. So that's what the, the um, old Jerusalem, so Jerusalem in the time of Nehemiah, would have looked like. But you can just see all the gates. So remember when um, Roz read it, like if you're up the top, the fish gate, the sheep gate, down the side here, the water gate, the fountain. So he goes around at night, sneaking around, seeing all these gates. Remember, some of it, the rubble was so broken down. And when you see the size of the wall, you're like, oh, of course, there'd be places where the rubble's just everywhere because the invading army just wanted to destroy the wall. Um, yeah, anyway, I just thought that was kind of kind of interesting, right? But again, there's this key where Nehemiah just waits on God. Like, like I said, why doesn't he just hit the ground running? Why does he take three days? And it's, again, he's just waiting on God, waiting for God to be like, boom, now is the time, right? So I read this crazy story this week that I thought was awesome, and I love this story. So heaps of times you'll hear of someone say, oh, God's timing was perfect. My brother's cousin's sister's cat's uncle's brother told me the story. And you're like, really? Was that really true? What happened? So this story is one of those legit ones checked out. It's kind of a crazy one about God's um, perfect timing, right? So let me read you this little story. In 1924, Dallas Theological Seminary. So Dallas Theological Seminary has been one of the like, main Bible colleges, massive Bible colleges over in America right? Um, for years. So in 1924, they nearly went bankrupt. And on the day it was about to foreclose at noon, Dr. Harry Ironside, who's like this absolute legend Christian dude, um, the president held a prayer meeting in his office. And that day he prayed a prayer that he'd often prayed. He said, Lord, we know the cattle on a thousand hills are yours. Please sell some of them and give us the money. I was like, all right, he's just being blunt, right? I thought that was cool. So this is the crazy bit. So this is totally verified, right? This is cool. So as he prayed with some staff and faculty, a tall Texas oilman walked into the receptionist's office and told the secretary, secretary, I just sold two carloads of cattle in Fort Worth. <laughs> anyway, I've been, trying to, I've been trying to make a business deal go through and it won't work. And I've been compelled to just give this money to the seminary. I don't know if you need this or not, but here's the check. The secretary burst into the room where the men were praying and said to Dr. Einside, Harry, God just sold the cattle. <laughs> I was like, it's cool, eh? But just that perfect timing, right? This is crazy timing. And the, one of the things I love about our prayer chain, so we have a, a prayer chain, and often you'll see someone put up a, a request for prayer. And then, like, sometimes it's like even five, ten minutes later, they're like, oh, my gosh, the thing just changed, the whatever, the health thing or something. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's God. Oh, his timing is cool, right? I love it. It's super cool. All right. Um, all right. Hey, let's do this, um, this verse. So one of the things that I often think about when it's this, um, how do I know, like those questions we had before, how do I know if I'm getting the balance right, right? How do I know if I'm really depending on God, not doing enough, you know, too much Craig, not enough God, too much God, not enough Craig. Um, and one of the verses that I really love that, to me, I think is a key in all this, is this verse from Colossians. This is Joseph's, my wife Josephine's, one of her most favorite verses, right? So is it here, Colossians 2, 6 and 7. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you'll overflow with thankfulness. 
Now, I think, and I'm, I say this carefully, but this might sound a bit rude to you, so I kind of apologize. The thing that worries me is heaps of us do the last verse. We want the last verse. We want, then your faith will go strong and the truth will you'll overflow. We're like, yeah, that's what I want. I want to have strong faith. But often we don't do the bit before it, right? <laughs> and the bit before it is you've got to continue to follow him. And how do I follow him? By letting my roots grow down into him. By letting my life be built on him. So the question I wanted to ask you is, what does that look like for you? <laughs> you, you know what you need to do to, to cause your roots to grow down more into Christ. And the, the metaphor he's doing is because that's where the nourishment is, right? That's where the nourishment is. So what do you need to do more of, right? To have your roots growing down into to Christ, to have your life built on him. Um, for me, I have a little time with God every morning, right? And I read some Bible and I do a bit of praying and then I do a whole bunch of press-ups, which is kind of weird, but that's a long story. And then I do some journaling about what is God... It's when I pray. I, it's weird. I don't know. Um, and then I do a bit of journaling and talk about what's God saying to me at the moment? What did I read and stuff? Well, that's me. And I go for walks and scooter and listen to worship music. But what about you, right? What do you do to let your roots grow down into him, to let your life be built on him? And again, the more I do that, the more I get the balance right, right? <laughs> If I'm not spending time with him, I'm not connecting with him, I'm like, I don't know. Am I doing this in my own strength? Is it Jesus? Ah. So I need to let my roots. I have to tell you a weird thing. I wasn't going to tell you this or not. So Jose, I keep getting tattoos that Jose, my wife, tells me to get, which is kind of bizarre, right? So this whole tree, this is an old Celtic tree. Most of it's from the Book of Kells, which is an old book. Anyway, um, and I got this because of these verses, right? Jose wanted this the symbol of this tree, right, and roots growing down. But she wanted the roots, which is the roots all around here, to grow over my hand and to have roots growing down on my hand. But I'm like, that is too weird. And I always say it'll just look like an octopus. Because if I was wearing like a long sleeve sweatshirt, all you'd see is these like octopus things coming down. So I'm like, so Joseph, if you see me one day with like octopus on my hand, you'll be like, oh, Joseph won the, the challenge, right? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, hey, a silly story. So um, I, I like to run in the bush, right? Anyone who loves to run in the bush? Anyone? Okay, there's a few of us. Yeah, shot, John. A few of us. Good lads, eh? Love to run in the bush. I think I've told you before, I was running in the bush um, a few years ago and broke my ankle real badly. And so I was running, it was real muddy, and I did a massive jump, as you do when you're an idiot running in the bush. And as I landed, I just heard this massive crack. And it was one of those real loud ones where you're like lying there in massive pain, but you're like... I've done something really bad. This is not going to be fun, right? And I remember lying there, and if you've ever hurt yourself badly, your body is so fast at getting endorphins or something into your bloodstream that quite quickly, as long as you don't move, <laughs> it's not painful anymore. And so I was lying there kind of laughing, thinking, I know something bad's happened, but I'm like two kilometers from my car. So this is going to be an excellently painful exercise to get back to my car, right? So I lay there for about five minutes just like procrastinating and trying to put it off. And then finally, because I'm very manly, I got up, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to go for it. And stood up, and I was like, I probably just sprained it, put a bit of weight on it, I'm going to be fine. Put weight on it, and I just fell over screaming, because it was, so, it was all this bone had broken off, and ligaments had snapped. It was pretty crazy. Um, and so it was massively painful, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. So I lay there for a while. I, was, I ended up screaming out Jesus a bunch of times. <laughs> I don't know. It was just so much pain. I was like, Jesus! But he didn't zap me and heal me, which was upsetting. But no, I'm joking. So then I was like, i got to get home, got to get back to the car. So I found a really serious stick. That was the key, right? Found this massive stick and kind of held onto the stick and just hobbled and fell and cried and stuff, trying to get back to the car. But every now and then, because I'm very stubborn, every now and then I'd be like, really? I'm sure it's just sprained. 
I don't need the stick. And I'd drop the stick and be like, I'm sure I can stand on it. And I'd try and stand on it and be like, ah, and fall on the ground and get my stick and hobble away to the car. Oh, my gosh. The best thing was my car has cruise control. So I got in the car and like, because I only had one. It was really ridiculous. Trying to drive home was actually quite terrifying. But anyway, so here's my (laughs) bizarre illustration. Again, I say this in love, not in rudeness. I think some of us are a little bit like me. <laughs> we're a little bit arrogant, and we just want to do stuff in our own strength. <laughs> and we're broken, man. Heaps of us are really broken. <laughs> and God's better than a stick, but you know what I mean by the illustration. God comes to us, and he's like, man, I'm here to help. I'm here to support you. I'm here to strengthen you. And we, we lean on him for a while, but then we get a little bit arrogant. We're like, I can do it myself. And <laughs> everything turns to custard. We fall over. <laughs> we're rolling in the mud, screaming out, Jesus. <laughs> He's like, I'm here to help, right? And use the, use the stick, nuts, eh? All right, so the first one is Nehemiah does all this planning, like I talked about, right? Um, here's the second one. Um, Nehemiah in action. Know your power, right? Know your power. Um, I kind of talked about this a bit before, but he, he keeps making sure we know that he is praying, that he's getting his strength and his wisdom from God. So there's a real negative bit in here, and then there's a real positive bit. So... Um, here's the, the more negative bit. So read um, verse 17 now. Read verse 17. He says, and like Roz read this already, right? But, but now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Now, we already knew that. He said that a couple of times. So we're like, yeah, 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 we get that, we get that. But now he adds in this little bit. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. And when I was reading it, I was like, disgrace? Why did he add that? And what's changed? What's this whole disgrace thing? going on about. So I did a bunch of research, and I want to read these verses. So if, if you got your Bible, jump over to Psalm um, 48. And I thought this is real interesting, because why is he saying this whole um, disgrace thing, this is whole new thing going on? All right. Um, verse 1. How great, so this is Psalm 48, how great is the Lord, how deserving of praise in the city of our God, which sits on this holy mountain. It's like, oh, the city. Okay, I'm getting something here. It is high and magnificent. The whole earth rejoices to see it. Mount Zion, the holy mountain, is the city of the great king. God himself is in Jerusalem's towers, revealing himself as his defender. And he, he carries on talking like this. And so one of the things that I've totally forgotten, right, is that Israel was meant to be a light to the nations. We know that, right? That was one of the whole reasons that God had them as his chosen people. And the whole idea was that Israel would be the, the chosen people of God, They would obey him. He would bless them like crazy. And all the nations around them would look to Israel and be like, oh my gosh, we've got a famine here and wherever. But Israel's got crops going crazy and they've got children popping out everywhere and lambs. You know, what the heck is going on? Oh my gosh, it's because they worship Yahweh. And so he's just blessing them. You with me, eh? All right, cool. Um, That's the whole idea, right? And part of that was that Jerusalem was to be this like, like literally a shining light and that other nations would see it. And you see it in the time of King Solomon, but other than that, it doesn't happen a lot because they keep sinning and worshipping idols and stupid things. And so the idea was that Jerusalem was meant to be this shining light of a nation, the core of this amazing capital where God was just blessing the people like crazy. So other nations would look at Jerusalem and be like, man, that is a system of just awesome political structure and blessing. And man, check out that. Oh, you're with me, eh? And so now Nehemiah has finally come and he's gone around the city and he's like, this is just a disgrace. No one's going to look at Jerusalem and be like, whoa, God is amazing and filled with blessing. We should follow Yahweh. They're going to look at it and be like, man, your God's a loser. <laughs> look at your city. It's destroyed, right? 
So this this kind of negative thing, right? So here's this, and I want to say this super carefully. I debated all week about if I'd even say this, so I'm going to say this super, super carefully, right? How does the way you talk about God, what image does that give to people around you? Does it make sense? When you talk about God, what image does that give to, to people around you about your God, the God that you follow? Now, we go through hard times, so I'm being careful to say it. We go through hard times, real struggling times. I'm not meaning you walk around with a giant smile on your face and everything's amazing and God, that's fake, right? But when everything's hitting the fan, (laughs) when you're really struggling, how do you portray God? How do you talk about God, right? What image do people see when they they hear you talk about God? I don't know. That's really messed with my head a little bit this week, right? How do I talk about God? So here's the, the more positive one. Um, Verses 18 and 20. Um, So jump back to Nehemiah. And this is where he keeps, like I said, he he keeps, he's done a lot of planning, but he keeps sowing in this clear message that God's got us, God's got us, God's got us. So verse 18, it says, so he's talking to the, the leaders and saying, we've got to end this disgrace and rebuild the wall. And he says, then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. And then down to verse 20, I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. But, and then he tells those crazy guys, but you have no share, legal right, or historic claim. It's kind of crazy. But twice he puts in there this real clear, this is all because of God, this is all because of God. So I just noted down some of the things that he's done in the last while that he could have ignored all that and just said, this is all me. I'm amazing. I did some planning. I'm a great leader. Look how awesome I am. So he takes four months to plan, remember, before he goes to the king. He's the one that took his life into his hands to go and even speak to the king. He's the one who's traveled for two or three months in really harsh conditions. He's the one who got up in the middle of the night and went out to survey the city, right? So he could say it was all me, right? But remember that verse from Colossians. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me, which is why I think he sows these seeds right through it, right? So I kind of changed it a little bit, and I put down he took four months to plan, and he takes his life in his hands to speak with the king. But when the king responds, it's so favorable, it's ridiculous. So if you remember when I did that sermon, all the commentator people that I was talking about were like, he is a servant. He has no right to speak to the king. And for the king to just turn around and be like, yeah, take all the wood you want, and I'll send an army and letters is just bizarre. And Nehemiah's real quick to say that it's God doing it, right? Yeah, he takes two to three months to travel back, but he does it in complete safety and possibly a little bit of luxury because the king sent this massive like entourage with him, this massive army. Um, yeah, he gets up in the middle of the night, but like I said before, when he presents the plan to the people, there's total agreement, 100% agreement, right? Um, because he waits on God, right? Because his timing is so cool. So Etu, let's all stand up, eh? Let me pray for us. Um, so I just want to come back to this verse, eh? That's why I wanted to finish the leaving it on the screen. And this is my final question. You know yourself really well, right? Where do you tend to go? Do you tend to go to too much you and not enough God? (laughs) And you're real quick to work, but you're kind of slow to pray and (laughs) listen to him and wait on him. Or are you more the other side, (laughs) where you can be a bit lazy in your relationship with God, to be honest? You're not really doing a heck of a lot to let your roots grow down into him, like Paul said, to have your life build on him. And it's more, come on, God, just sort out my stuff. And he's like... I never hear from you, you know. I never see you trying to connect with me. 
So which side? Just have a think. Eh? Is there one side? Maybe you'll know you're perfect, but most of us aren't. <laughs> Is there one side you just tend to err on? And what would it look like to change that? What would be some things you need to change? So that your roots are growing down, right? So your life is really built, being built on him. So your faith will be strong and you'll be overflowing with thankfulness. That's what Paul says. Yeah. Cool, I'm going to pray if the worship team wants to come up. But let me pray for us, eh? Yeah. Yeah, kia ora, ior. Uh, Almighty God, creator of all that we see and all that we are. Um, I don't know, I just feel super frustrated right now, God. Because I know heaps of us are like me in the bush, where we just keep trying to do it by ourselves and we fall over and everything turns to custard. And you're like right there. I'm ready to help. Um, last time I checked, I created the universe out of nothing. I've got quite a bit of power. If you, if you want any power, feel free to call out. I'm right here. I love you. I don't know. We're just such... I don't know, foolish people at times, eh? Um, yeah, just keep teaching us, God, how to be quicker to run to you for help, for strength, for support. Um, yeah, we just want to be way more like Nehemiah, way more like uh, Paul, where we're planning, we're working, we're struggling, we're just working hard, but we're depending on you, we're depending on you, we're depending on you. Yeah. I'm just thinking of that crazy passage in Revelation 1, God, where John, who's totally Jesus' best friend, right? We see that right through the Gospels. But when he sees who you really are, Jesus, he's just unconscious <laughs> because you are so almighty and powerful and awesome. And it just it literally melts his brain. It blows his brains to, to see who you really are. Now, I, we don't want to get to the new heavens and the new earth and finally see the love that you have for us, Jesus, the power that's available to us and go... Well, I stuffed up that life. <laughs> Man, why did I keep trying to do it on my own strength? That was stupid. Um, yeah, so keep just reminding us. I know you're so gentle with us, God. I wish you'd not be so gentle at times, but I don't know. You're so gentle with us, eh? I just pray for all of us, um, people listening on the podcast, people watching on the video, us in here, eh? We want to get this balance better and better. We want to work hard but we want to learn more and more what it means to depend on your mighty power in us, working in us, God. Yeah, yeah I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.